Fratelloni's Ace Hardware and Garden Stores brings you Garage Logic Podcast number 353, the last day of March, March 31st, 2020. The high on this uh, day was back in 1986 when we hit 82, and it was one below in 1969. And on this day, on uh, this day in 1985, 15 inches of snow. Woo! <laughs> Ice went out on White Bear Lake on this day in 1938, and in 1968, I could find no ice out on this date for Lake Minnetonka. Hmm. And now, from the mayor's office above the boathouse on the east shore of Spoon Lake, it's Garage Logic with Rookie on Production, Chris Reavers, Director of Social Media, John Hyde in the newsroom, and occasionally Kenny from the Krabby Coffee Shop. Here is your flashlight king, fireworks commissioner, and keeper of common sense, your mayor, Joe Souchere. You want to know how we're going to be all right? How are we going to be okay? Uh, Because nothing's new. Everything's happened before, including, well, let let Johnny Carson tell you from, uh, what's this, about 1973 or 74. December of 1973. December of 1973 during his Tonight Show monologue. Of all the shortages we have, there's a gasoline shortage. You know what else is disappearing from the supermarket shelves? Toilet, Toilet paper. Ha, 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 you can laugh now. <laughs> there is an acute shortage of... Of toilet paper in the good old United States. We gotta quit writing on it. <laughs> but I wanna tell you, it is serious. I just saw a commercial where I know it's coming. Uh where Mrs. Olson comes in with a shopping bag and the housewife says, Forget the coffee, just give me the shopping bag. I wanna tell you. <laughs> I should have done it myself. <laughs> Kenny, will you do me a favor? What? Why did U.S. have toilet sh- paper shortage Ooh. in 1973? I thought it was Johnny's fault. I, I really did. That's what I've been hearing all these years, that he made a because joke he about it. he made a it, joke about it. And he started a run oh. on it. And, uh, but uh, let oh. me look it up anyway. I thought he was reflecting what must have been in the news. Also, I was alerted today, and I don't remember this. The emailer wanted to know if I remembered it. Uh, We had a Hong Kong flu in 1968 that killed hundreds of thousands of people, but I don't recall it. A Hong Kong flu of 1968. I wasn't around. I don't uh, don't remember that. I I know you weren't. Uh, uh, I was barely around. I was I was I was just that far removed from the sod hut. <laughs> Boy, did you get some? Uh, well, I got some great emails. You got some uh, feedback, sir. Uh, out in Montana, Keith Olson writes: "Boys, drop some coins in the bucket." Chris asks why Grandma Such's family didn't build a log cabin. Prairies don't have trees. Oh darn it! You know I didn't even think of that. Hold on, hold on. I don't know if I'm going to go with that because. My people had trees, but they had no money, and they were fresh off the boat from Sweden, and they needed a place to get in out of the weather right away. And I believe that's how I phrased the question yesterday. Was it a financial thing, the sod hut versus no, a log cabin? No, I think it was, uh, I think it was uh, 
Uh, dear fellow descendant of the Sod Hut, uh, nothing else, just wanted you to know that you are not alone, five generations removed and a mile down the road. Kyle from Iowa. Uh, this one says, Joe, I'm sure you've gotten many emails. The reason sod huts were built on the prairies was no trees, so no lumber for homes. Sod was plentiful and easily used, much like ice used for igloos. Sod would not last long, especially in the rain. What wood was available was needed for heating and cooking. And uh, Downing writes, why did Joe's ancestors have a sod house on the prairie instead of a log cabin? It was the prairie. There are no trees on the prairie. That's why people built sod houses out of necessity. Man, I went to public school, and I thought everyone knew that. If you visit the Minnesota History Center, you can see a replica sod house. And he sent me a copy of a photo of a woman sitting in front of her sod house in western Minnesota in 1896. And she looks like the kind of woman whose picture we should feature in the Krabby Coffee Shop. Got it. It's bleak, isn't it? It's just terrible. (laughs) Just terrible. She doesn't look happy. Did did the sod hut vary depending upon what part of the country you resided? I think the one thing... In Texas, you can't have a basement. Right. Well, I did get an email from somebody who said, well, your people must have had it rough. We had a sod house. (laughs) (laughs) From what I've heard, they all had one thing in common, and that was bed bugs. Oh, my God. (laughs) I know. you imagine? Oh, I didn't even think of that. I know. Cooties. (laughs) And worms everywhere. I've got something on Carson uh, from Snopes. Yep. Uh, Carson read a newspaper clipping about the shortage on the air. The day after Carson read the clipping and made a few jokes about it, the toilet paper shortage, what people didn't realize that the story had been about commercial toilet paper and there was a surge of panic buying of consumer-grade toilet paper. This resulted in stores selling out of the toilet paper that they had on the shelves. I'll be damned. Imagine having that kind of power. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, you have to use it for good and uh, not evil. Now, uh, here's, I thought you were going to go with the line, Kenny. He had, you know, a 10% stake in the Charmin industry. <laughs> yeah, no, no. Uh, but he was not solely to blame. Um, Harold Froelich, is, that's how you pronounce it, a 41-year-old Republican congressman put out a press release warning the public about a possible toilet paper shortage, uh, saying the U.S. may face a serious shortage of toilet paper within a few months. We, don't, we hope we don't have to ration toilet tissue. We don't know why. What, what was the, other than Carson, there, there was no reason for that uh, rush on the supplies. Say, so, yeah, you know, uh, I found a guy who I really admire for his self-quarantining. I mean, he's doing it in style. Okay. Uh, Thailand's King Maha Vajralongkorn. All right. Who has been vacationing in Germany this month is now self-isolating in a luxury hotel with an entourage of 20 women and servants. Oh, God. The 67-year-old is said to have booked out the entire Grand Hotel Sonnenbrecher in the Alpine resort town of Garmisch Partenkirchen after obtaining special permission from local officials, according to the Independent. Other hotels in the region have been closed to order during the outbreak, but not this guy. The king, he got his four wives among the 20 concubines. Now, this is, a, this is I'm not, okay, I can see this. This would be a fun quarantine. That doesn't sound exhausting to you? Well, you'd, be, you'd sleep well. Uh, <laughs> you sure? A local official told 
billed that the king's entourage was approved for their stay at the four-star property because the guests are a single homogenous group of people with no fluctuation. However, 119 people who had been traveling with the king in Germany, where he reportedly owns a second home, were already sent home to Thailand over suspicions of contracting the coronavirus. Back home, Thai residents appear to be unamused by the king's European exploits. A hashtag translating to why do we need a king has been attached to more than a million posts on Twitter. As of Tuesday, Thailand has 1,651 confirmed cases of uh, coronavirus with 10 deaths. Germany, where the king is weathering the breakdown, has uh, 67,051 cases of coronavirus, according to John Hopkins. Why does Thailand need a king? Why do do the people have to put up with this fruitcake? <laughs> so Thailand's huh? king's a fruitcake. Uh, yep. North Korea's guy, he's a fruitcake. They're all fruitcakes. Let me tell you something. Uh, what's They're the hiring f- process like to become a concubine? I mean, is there a, a message board? Uh, <laughs> how, how does one go about that? Uh, you have to Craig, Craigslist. Start uh, as an intern. Yeah, uh, there's a picture of one of them here, uh, kneeling at the king's feet. Ah, I wonder what that pays. Uh, and are they, are they hiring? And uh, am I past my prime? Can I? Uh... I think you're. I think you're past your prime. <laughs> oh, th- this is just amazing. He's got, among the gals is the royal noble consort. What mm. a club he's in, huh? This goofball. <laughs> Jeez, Louise, isn't that something? Isn't that something? Uh, let's talk about something that's not COVID. Please. Uh, was in all the papers today. It's a New York Times piece. <clears throat> and I'm wrestling with it. The Trump administration is expected today to announce its final rule to roll back Obama-era automobile fuel efficiency standards, relaxing efforts to limit climate warming tailpipe pollution and virtually undoing the government's biggest effort to combat climate change. The new rule written by the Environmental Protection Agency and the Department of Transportation would allow vehicles on U.S. roads to emit nearly a billion tons more carbon dioxide over the lifetime of the cars than they would have under the Obama standards. And hundreds of millions of tons more will be then will be emitted under standards being implemented in Europe and Asia. Let's stop right there. That makes no sense. Uh, why suddenly will the cars emit one billion tons more carbon dioxide over the life of the cars, the cars are already being made with the fuel efficiencies in place. Right. Um, But evidently, those fuel efficiencies are driving the cost of vehicles up. So I think one of his goals, at the very least, is to bring the uh, the price of cars down. Isn't isn't that right? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Say that again, Kenny. I, I didn't understand that part. So well, uh, you're saying that that added thing is making these vehicles ex- more expensive. That's what you're to produce. Oh. Well, automobile manufacturers could make that claim that uh, in order to meet these uh, standards, it's going to be more costly. But that, that had a larger point I wanted to make. Let's see if we can get to it. Trump administration officials have raced to complete the auto rule by this spring, even as the White House is consumed with responding to the coronavirus crisis. President Trump is expected to extol the rule, which will stand as one of the most consequential regulatory rollbacks of his administration as a needed salve for an economy crippled by the pandemic. Let me stop right there. 
Would car prices? I'm stuttering. Would car prices uh, instantly be brought down? I think not. Well, that's what. What, what, what would this have to do with an economic staff? Is it maybe to because I I know that over the weekend I was watching there was a number of different car commercials and I know we have one that advertises on the show that were showing rates and because I think they're just trying to get people to come out and buy is that part of this? No, this was all no. in, this was all started before the COVID oh. uh, crisis kicked in. The uh, the lower fuel efficiency standard is the single most important thing that the administration can do to fulfill President Trump's campaign promise of reforming the regulatory state and to undo the impact that the previous administration has had on the economy, said Thomas Pyle, president of the Institute for Energy Research, research which supports the use of fossil fuels. Trump's critics say the rule shows the president's disregard for science and could harm the economy over time. The administration's own draft economic analysis of the rules showed it could hurt consumers by forcing them to purchase more gasoline. In a February report by a panel of government-appointed scientists, many of them selected by the Trump administration, concluded there are significant weaknesses in the scientific analysis of the rule. This is not just an inopportune moment to finalize a major rulemaking, said Senator Thomas Carper of Delaware, the ranking Democrat on the Senate Environmental Committee. In this case, it's a completely irresponsible one. Even many, here's the part I love, even many large automakers, which had asked Trump to slightly loosen the Obama-era rule, had urged him not to roll it back so aggressively because that plan is certain to get bogged down in courts for years, leaving their industry in regulatory limbo. I have a number number of observations about this story. One, it was written by the New York Times, and uh, generally speaking, uh, a story like this would fit in their template as an attack on those who would attempt to save the earth, right? Yeah. Right? Okay. But... I think it's unnecessary that they're doing this. What's wrong with a fuel-efficient car? I'm not worried about saving the earth. I think the earth's on its own, and we have very little to do with it. But it makes nothing but common sense for an automobile manufacturer to make the most fuel-efficient automobile possible. And they already are doing that. So to the point where the automakers are saying, hey, hey, don't do us a big favor here because all that's going to happen is we'll get sued 58,000 times and we won't know what to do. Right. And it sounds like that's what they're planning for because you, you know California, along with a handful of other states, are going to take this to court. And then uh, the one thing I, I saw, the paragraph that struck me, the worst case scenario for automakers would be different standards in different states. And, right. And, and that'd be awful. Right, you know, for the automakers, um, this would also, of course, uh, end up with us buying more gas. You know, for obvious reasons, they're less fuel efficient. Well, I know people. We the world is so divided that people are hearing this and they're saying, "Well, if it was an Obama era rule, uh, it should be stricken from the books." And the you know, and the Trump uh, side of the country is saying it's about time Trump struck down an Obama era rule. Couldn't it be possible uh, that despite who brings about the regulation, that it ended up being wise? You know the answer to that. Of the answer is not. yes. No, 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 the answer is yes. I think it's because we're so divided right now that it, no matter what is either approached, approved, what have you, it's always going to be met with criticism because that's just the state of the world we live in in 2020. No one has been impacted for five seconds 
by an Obama-era administration or EPA, uh, EPA started by Richard Nixon, by the way, a Republican. No one has had their life impacted for five seconds by the Obama administration telling the automobile manufacturers to get more fuel efficient. We've just accepted it and taken it for granted. And the engineers in Detroit and elsewhere around the world got way ahead of the curve. And suddenly you have an improvement in automobile efficiency. I, I'm, I'm comfortable with that. I don't see this as a reason to take to the political mattress and go to war. I just don't see it. Yeah, efficiency, uh, does, uh, but does efficiency, as the efficiency goes up, does the performance go down? Not one single American for five seconds could legitimately tell me they've noticed a, different in, uh, noticed a difference in the performance of their vehicle. The only place I've noticed it is with motorcycles. And we, when we buy a new motorcycle, a, a lot of this uh, off-road motorcycles, the first thing we have to do, and it's probably not even a word, but uh, it's what we say, is we have to de-California it. Right. <laughs> we have to take off all these ridiculous California mods, which yeah. open it up. They let it more gas, more air. It breathes better. It might get a little louder, but it's way more powerful right. with more bottom end. Right. And that's really all I know about it. I, you know, I, I don't want this to open up a rash of emails. Why don't you think, before you take to your emails and rip me, why do you think about this logically? Not one single human being on earth can claim that the demand for more fuel-efficient vehicles has had an impact on their life. Not one. Unless you do a cost analysis and somebody could point out to me, well, on a per capita basis, a car in 1982 costs considerably less than a car in 2020 or whatever. I, I, that's fine. But all I'm suggesting is even the automakers are saying, uh, we're fine. We're, we're cool with this. We're, we're making it happen. Don't do us any extraordinary favors. It'll end up screwing us up. Well, wait a minute, though. What about, uh, didn't we have a story? I think it was back in September. Last year of the uh, the Tesla that ran out of power, the police chase. Remember that story? Oh yeah, the electric cop. So car. there you go. There's someone who got affected. Yeah, because they weren't even driving a gasoline <laughs> car. They're driving a electric car. And it was a cop, right? Yeah, yeah it was, it was a, a cop. cop in the, in a fuel the a fuel efficient t- Tesla. They ran out of power. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's just amazing. You go to Schmel's Countryside right now in Maplewood. There Maplewood, we go. That's all fuel efficiency. What What did they think? The Volkswagen's going to say, "Oh, great! Now we can uh, we can detune our cars and make them worse." You think Alfa Romeo's going to say that? Fiat? Of course not. They're in business to be. Uh, they're in business to be competitive and competent. And they're uh, you know we're dealing with the stay at home orders in the state, and so is Schmel's Countryside in Maplewood. So they have updated hours of operation Monday through Friday. 8.30 a.m. to 5 p.m., Saturday 9 a.m. to 2 p.m., and on-site sales are appointment only. So ultimately, there's no browsing the sales floor. you got to make an appointment. That's good, and it's safe for everybody. 651-243-4316. What you do is go to one of the three websites, schmelzvw.com, schmelzalfaromeo.com, SchmelzFiat.com. Center in on what you're interested in. Make an appointment. Really, really the way to do it. 
On-floor employees are working half shifts to limit exposure. They're cleaning and disinfecting uh, throughout the day and in between shifts, and uh, they're going to take care of their customers. They have for more than 50, 60 years. It's a multi-generational dealer. Schmelz does not own 15 dealerships. They own Schmelz Countryside, Volkswagen, Fiat, and Alfa Romeo on the southeast quadrant. There you go, Kenny. I had to throw quadrant in here. Thank you. Southeast quadrant (laughs) of Highway 61 and 36 in Maplewood. Call ahead. How about that? It's it's like uh, probably in the days when when women got to go to Frank Murphy's uh, exclusive clothing store and have their own personal attendant uh, tell them what kind of dress would look good on them. Huh? You just go to Schmelz, now you have a personal appointment. That kind of sounds like a good job for me. Yeah. 651-243-4316. You look good. Yeah, yeah you look good at that. Uh, I, yeah. like, I like the way that hangs. Or when yeah, I come I in and too. I try on a suit and you'd say, hey, fatty. Yeah, get, hit get, the road, get. pal. Yeah. It's a yeah. ladies only shop. See you in a moment, GLers. Hello again, this is Mike Fratelloni from Fratelloni's Ace Hardware and Garden Stores. Fratelloni's is open every day till 6 p.m., seven days a week. Please come on in. We are practicing ultra, no-touch, social distance customer service. You're going to come in and we're going to say, hey, what can we help you find from 10 feet away? We're not going to touch you. You're not going to touch us. We're constantly cleaning our stores. We're really trying to be as safe for our employees and as safe for our customers as we possibly can. So be aware that our customer service is going to be a little different. Stop on in Fratelloni's right now. Come on in. Social distance customer service. Fratelloni's Ace Hardware and Garden Stores. You'll learn more here by accident than elsewhere by design. Here's Joe Suchere. Kenny Olson. What, 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 what? Who would you like to tell us about today? Oh, am I going to do it here? Why not? Okay. Um, actually, I'm into that because there are two items in the t- today's Star Tribune metro section about um, businesses that are tagged essential. Mm -hmm. Um, One of them, uh, headline, Wheels of Commerce and Exercise Keep Going, Bike Commuters Applaud Designation of Bike Shops as Essential Businesses. Nice, big, feel-good article. And then buried in the middle of the metro section, Gun Shops Tagged Essential Businesses. And it's essentially uh, a, a tiny little paragraph Ripping Trump and ripping everybody else because gun shops have been tagged as essential and they're staying open. Well, if you're from Garage Logic, this is good news. Uh, it's very good news, and it's good news for our guys up at DKMags.com. They're still open Monday through Saturday. They're selling firearms, ammunition, and accessories like crazy, but they're taking steps. They're limiting the amount of customers in the store while, just to a few at a time, and, of course, everything in the building constantly being wiped down and sanitized to make sure we're all healthy, everyone on the staff so far healthy and happy, and the business obviously open and business is booming. If you're locked down in your home right now, uh, check out the website, dkmags.com, because it is, it's got a ton of info and firearms. And don't forget, DK Mags is also very proud to offer our military veterans and law enforcement officers another 5% discount on most items. And yes, that does include firearms. And while you're thinking about dkmags.com, keep in mind they also have another spot up in Monticello, Monticello Pond and Gun. We're very proud to call them GL family members, dkmags.com. The mind of the Mysterian politician is amazing to behold. Let's go to Houston. You could make the argument that that's 
closest to the country's tallest buildings. Yes, definitely. Houston's Democratic mayor. Uh, what's his name? Sylvester Turner. Houston's Democratic mayor announced to the crooks and the criminals that oh. they need to chill and wait until the coronavirus pandemic is over. Oh, come on. To commit crimes. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. I'm wait, not wait, making wait. it up. <laughs> I'm not making it up. <laughs> You've got to be kidding me. <laughs> Wish I was. Mayor Sylvester Turner made the plea to criminals during a media briefing on the coronavirus response in Houston on Monday. Let me just make my plea. Until the coronavirus is solved, criminals take a break. Okay, said Turner. Stay home, okay? Stay home and don't commit any crimes. And that way, you'll stay safe and out of jail, and police officers can stay safe and go home, okay? So everybody chill. Crooks, criminals, you chill. Wait until the envi- Wait until the coronavirus is over, okay? Then we'll all be okay. You can go back to your nefarious activities. Yeah. Turner's <laughs> suggestion to the criminals of Houston drew sharp criticism. I bet. Uh, uh, on uh, social media. Uh, the Houston Health Department, incidentally, reported the city has 309 confirmed cases of coronavirus. Houston Police Chief Art Acevedo also spoke at the briefing and indicated that the violent crime rate had dropped in the city, except, unfortunately, for domestic violence cases. Yeah, that's a that's going to be a shame, isn't it? That domestic violence will probably spike. It, yeah, it has been. The calls have increased, and you can still leave your home to get away from domestic violence, and uh, it's kind of upsetting, yeah. So, well, basically, he just asked everyone to pause. Check, check this out. <laughs> You mean to tell me... Could you criminals just pause? Could you pause wow. until you resume your criminal activity when we get the coronavirus taken care of? The problem That's is, what he's saying. Yeah, uh, heroin habits, crack habits, they don't pause. No, they, no. They still need the crack, and they still need to pay for and it. And some so of those people lost their income when they lost their job. Right. Yep. But but the but the mindset of the Mysterian is so amazing. Uh he anticipates crime. He doesn't say you should be ashamed of yourselves for committing crimes. He's right. saying, well, you're a criminal, but you got to take a break from it for a while. you got to give us a break. Mm-hmm. And then resume it. I, you know what, though? I wish this shocked me. It doesn't at all. Mm-hmm. Doesn't shock me either. No. You, you're, you're finding, uh, as we go around the country, you're finding more and more leftists, uh, district attorneys, for example, decriminalizing things that would, should shock us. You know, home, You can, where is it, Boston? You can burglarize a home if nobody's in it? And it's a certain amount, right, that they won't uh, prosecute? What the hell? What the hell? It's a damn good thing gun shops remain open. Yeah, and I was going to mention there was a piece early, maybe it was yesterday or over the weekend, about uh, how the spike in applications to carry and purchase has skyrocketed, and it's a lot of people that are now out shopping for firearms are the very people that used to be against firearms. Really? Yeah. So oh, I know some personally. Yeah. I know some personally. It's that's a really uh, an interesting twist. Really in, uh, really interesting. Where do we stand by the way on us releasing minor offenders and things like that? Have we we haven't really discussed that on the show, have we? I don't know. Are the, what what kind of offenses are we talking about? Well, that's what I I don't they haven't really specified. That's why I was going to ask you guys. Cuz there's already a lot of felons walking around free that should have been locked up a long time ago. Well, if you're going to if somebody's in the slammer for an ounce of dope, I 
I guess it's not going to break my heart to let him out. I don't know. I guess uh, anything, from what I understand, anything under an ounce is just a misdemeanor. You get a ticket for it. And uh, I would hope so. Yeah, well, what the hell? You're legalizing it, for God's sakes. Yeah. Why get a guy for a couple of seeds in his pocket? You know, not that I would know anything about that. <laughs> <laughs> you know. You're keeping your ashtray clean, Joe? Just empty those pockets. That's all you got to do. That's turn them right. inside out. Turn them, right. turn, them, turn them inside out. Uh-huh. We, had the, uh, we had the neighborhood gathering yesterday. Oh, boy. Yeah, uh, I saw the tweet, and um, I was wondering, uh, were you a little lit up when you sent that tweet? Nope. Nope. Okay, because I noticed some missing punctuation. Well, I missed a word, which but is I, very, I could do that this morning. But that's very unlike you. Yeah, I know. I'm very careful. But uh, we all stood about 15 feet apart. I was going to say, how'd that work out? Well, it was, it was just an effort for the neighbors to say hi to each other and how you doing. And I, I said, well, you know, I'm, I'm, I think I'm the patriarch here, and I, I, I would anticipate that you all be checking on me. And in the event of a big snow, I, I would think that you should come over and take care of my driveway. And, oh, that's and, nice. And, yeah. Yeah. Oh, and they all said, eh, they all said no. Nah, uh, no, we're, we're all right. And I, I can guess how the meeting broke up. It was uh, Joe saying, I got to go. <laughs> I, I'm out of here. That's what I did. Yeah, <laughs> your sign-off from Sports Talk yesterday got uh, got some people laughing. <laughs> Well, I had to meet a guy. You had to go. I had a thing. You had to go. <laughs> and yeah. You weren't kidding, man. The machine went off. The headphones were down, and you were out of there. Well, how long did you guys keep going? Oh, Royce did another 20, 30 minutes yeah. or so. Let me tell you another time that he took <laughs> off on me. Yeah. No, I'm just We were done <laughs> about two minutes after you were. Uh, yeah. After we heard the click. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> but that's been the Joe I've known my whole life. That's how Joe leaves. All right, I got to go. See you. I'll see you. I got to yeah. write today. Yeah, bye. Well, again, that's why I'm so good at social distancing. It's, <laughs> yes. it's just not a problem for me. No. Just not, no. You know, it, in in Minnesota, we're we're not in, we're we're not under house arrest. There's Chicago, they're threatening to arrest you if you go outside. We can go for a walk. You ought to take one of those little sports cars out today and just drive the parkway, St. Paul up to Franklin, get go over to Minneapolis and back down to Ford. You will not believe how many people are out walking, biking, yeah. and boarding. I mean, it's crowded. It's like Sunday afternoon crowded. Well, here's the great irony. It's crowded to the point where the bicyclists and the pedestrians are feuding. Oh, are they at war? Yes. Yes. Really? Yes. yes. Yeah. There are too many of each party, and they're feuding about their territorial rights. Oh, and you know what? Which proves you right, because you said earlier in the week or last weekend, you're seeing a lot of amateurs and first-timers. Yeah. And these are the people that walk in the bike lanes instead of the pedestrian lanes. Or is it split? Yeah. Oh, okay. In a lot of parts of town, it's split. The bike bikers have their own, and the pedestrians have their own. And, oh, that makes the bike riders mad. Ho, 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 ho. Time to repeat my favorite story, my favorite bike story. A guy who I, uh, I don't even remember his name, but I used to know him. I'm distancing myself from him. (laughs) (laughs) He's jogging on Mississippi River Boulevard. Oh, yeah. yeah. This is my favorite. He's he's northbound and down. He's running along, and he hears this hectoring behind him. Get out of my way. Get out of my way. Get out of my way. And uh, the, the jogger said, I'm, I'm not in your way. And he said, the bicyclist said, yeah, you are. Get out of my way. And they're approaching the Franklin Bridge. And, uh, the jogger stops, and the guy gets off his bike. 
And he said, listen, pal, you're on the bike path. And the, uh, the jogger says, well, no, I'm not. Well, you want to do something about it? And the, and the jogger, uh, <laughs> uh, who is very fit, uh, said, uh, are you sure about this? Are you sure you yeah. want to continue this kind of uh, – it's like Reaver saying, send me your address. Right. It's, it's, are you sure you want to uh, push this? He gave him every opportunity he did. to he turn did. around. He really did. He gave him every opportunity to say, just get back on your bike and take off. There's been no harm here. And that guy kept pressing the issue. So, so the guy I'm referring to, he picked up the bike, Uh-oh. and he threw it as far as he could over the cliff, <laughs> and it ended up down on the bank of the uh, – uh, on the river, on the, on the beach. And he said all he could hear was the, guy, the click of the guy's cleats running down the steps to try to get his bike. <laughs> oh, I love that. <laughs> and it's not all of them, but boy, are they, an, they are a very entitled bunch. They're so hostile. And they're, yeah, they're, they're angry. Well, how could you be angry? You're out on oh. a beautiful day riding your bike. Well, Chill out, brother. And this incident occurred uh, pre-coronavirus. You know, this oh, was man. A, an empty trail. Now they... Uh, now they're packed, and people are going to have to learn to get along. Was the uh, was the bike rider? Did he have the whole you know Lance Armstrong outfit on with the helmet uh, and the whole he nine yards? He had yards? the clicky shoes on. You oh know, yeah. yeah, he had the jersey that looked like a bottle of olives, and uh, you know the whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Well, look, it, a lot of those jerseys looked like the label on a bottle of olives from Italy. You know, the, you know, you know, damn well at home he's got two Chevy Suburbans and his penny loafers. Are you right. kidding me? Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> So anyway, we had the meeting. We had the meeting, and uh, I guess the gist of it was that we're all looking out for each other. I don't know what we're looking for. You mentioned that, and over the weekend, I saw something on Facebook, and I know your thoughts and opinions on Facebook, but I just found it comical where a neighbor posted a photo. It was it was somebody that, that I don't know how I'm friends with because I didn't recognize the name. Was it a guy pointing, uh, and he had a donut in his hand? No, no, it wasn't no, that no, one. No, oh. <laughs> There's a new one, by the way. I got to show you guys later. Uh, right. It's a female yeah. holding. A, it's not as funny. It's not as funny, but it, anyway. So uh, this guy posted a photo of his neighbor's house in a what looked to be a, a very well-to-do neighborhood, and the neighbor had it looked to be about eight or nine cars in the driveway with people in the garage hanging out. This was yeah. Saturday or Sunday. Sure. Okay. And shamed the neighbor, and you should have seen the comments. Oh. And they were basically going back and forth about this isn't social distancing, and it was mind your own bleeping business. Yeah. So it was a public fight right. about you're not supposed to have 25 right. people over at your I, house. I was on the uh, Nextdoor app for one week. I joined it uh, on a Sunday, and then last Friday I finally had to quit. And that's what it, 100% it of the posts like were yeah. people going at each other. But I had a question for you, Joe, in your meeting last night. Did any of your neighbors discuss going to their front porch or their front stoop on uh, at 7 o'clock every evening and singing Imagine together as, no, a, that, as a neighborhood? No, that will not happen here. No, no, no. So you won't be singing the commie national anthem from no. your front porch? No, what a dreadful song. I know, oh, it's just God. the worst. It's just, just the worst awful. thing. Has anybody ever listened to the lyrics of oh the damn God, thing? Oh my God, I'm already de- like 90% depressed all the time. I, <laughs> right. I, I can't take that song. It's oh, just it's awful. Just, 
awful. It's just horrible. <laughs> I end up crying. Imagine there's no heaven. I don't want to no, imagine no, that. Oh, God, no. I want to imagine there is. Just give me this one thing. Yeah. Yeah, I want to imagine there is. Did you see where uh, Mike Lindell, yeah. uh, the My Pillow fellow, yeah. uh, was in the Rose Garden with uh, Trump yesterday for Trump's uh, daily briefing? Oh boy, he's getting beat up on Twitter. Well, he had he had the nerve to say we should be praying more, and he just got lit up. Yeah. He just got and lit I, up. For I that. don't get it. Why is he getting so much hatred but from people? He's a friend of Trump. That's is that all, the only that's reason? All it takes. Here's that, a guy that took his own company and completely changed its course so they could make masks. For the medical industry. Yeah. What is wrong with people? Well, because he had the audacity to use the name of God. Yeah. And he was standing next to the president and mentioned yeah. him as a friend. Boy, you know, that's where the, we're at, isn't it? He, and yeah. the president, he said, uh, if you had this ready, I wouldn't even mind hearing it again. You know, the president is an expert on Easter. Yes, yeah. yes, yeah. he is. He, he's, our, he's our go-to guy. <laughs> my, my favorite line on that is it happened 250 years ago. Oh, yeah. He said, so. not a lot of people know that. <laughs> and I love the way he, he props people up and then quickly cuts him off at the knees. You know what I oh, mean? He yeah, sets yeah. you up, and he's a good guy, but maybe he's not so good. <laughs> well, he was an okay guy, but he did, a, he did some good things. He did some nice maybe, things. Maybe he's not so good things, too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I need to do is I need to find a, a quicker way to obtain this video so that way I can uh, have it at the ready at all times. Well, you would think, uh, yeah, that would... Uh, that would, uh, yeah, here we go. 250 years ago, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ whose full name, you know, he was he was Jewish, so his full name might have been like Christowitz. But God rose him from the dead on a holiday we now call Easter. Not a lot of people know that, but it's it's called Easter. It's when Jesus and the two Corinthians yeah. met the Easter bunny and came back from the dead. See? It's, you know, yeah. it's a beautiful story. Very important for the Christians, like... Me. And I have decided, I'm announcing today, we are going to bring back the economy on Easter Sunday. Because God, who, to be honest, is, you know, he's a good God. He's done some some strong things. Sure, some, sure. let's be honest, his record is, like, not so great, though. Uh, he brought one guy back. One guy. On Easter Sunday. And it was his son, so it was kind of like, Biased, but we're going to bring back the entire economy on Easter Sunday. And at that point, I think basically I'm better than God. So when we do it, we're going to do it toughly. We're going to do it with great compassion, great strength, tremendous strength, and also toughness. Yeah. Easter Sunday, we're going to put it on pay-per-view. God versus Trump. Who brings back more people on Easter Sunday? Oh, that is pretty good. Oh, but you, oh. you cut out the Friday part. Great Friday for Trump. Oh shoot, that's Prob- right. He's probably going to fire fire uh, Fauci. Make it a bad great day Friday. for him. That'd be a good Friday for Trump. It was fun playing that for Roycey because you get the natural Roycey laugh. Belly laugh. Just, oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, that guy is going to become. Uh, uh, 
a celebrity like none other. Well, it's funny because his most recent tweets are almost saying that very thing. Well, I guess before I got Twitter fame, yet you know, so and so and so and so, he would repost right. some of his old stuff. Right. Oh, yeah. 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 He's pretty good. J. L. Coven, C. A. U. V. I. N. Say, uh, unfortunately, just a minute. <coughs> Perfect oh. health. Perfect health. Perfect health. COVID cough there. <laughs> Yikes. Unfortunately, EcoFund Motorsports in For- uh, Forest Lake is about 90% uh, shut down. Uh, but they're, uh, there's, uh, they're about to close. They are closed to normal foot traffic, but they're able to meet people by appointment. There you go. And to sell them vehicles like electric bikes, scooters, and motorcycles. If they don't want to go out, you can still go online, EcoFundMotorsports.com. Give us a call. You can do everything over the phone. You can finish the uh, paperwork at your home when we deliver the product. We're also going to continue to offer GLers preseason sale prices while in lockdown and free delivery in the Twin Cities area. We're extremely proud to be a GL company and have the best GL customers. Bentelli e-bikes are the ideal way to social distance and get some fresh air. Mm-hmm. That is a good way to do it, isn't it? Just a minute. I might have had a, a, an email here from a, a someone saying they just bought one. Uh, and I'll mention, too, they do have a wonderful Instagram and Twitter account where they put a lot of cool photos I, of I people buying their bikes. Them, I wanted to mention their Twitter account yeah. because they tweeted Joe and I uh, when we were making fun of Rookie for the battery, and yeah. I tweeted back to them wondering if they had a, a Yamaha WR250, and sure enough, they do. Really? So, uh, And my kid is looking for one, so my kid's now in negotiations to buy this bike from oh, EcoFund. Oh, cool. Yeah. Well, Bintelli e-bikes are a great way to social distance and get exercise. Call today, 612-321-8867, 612-321-8867 to get yours or to set up an appointment to get one. Uh, I'm telling you, you're going to love this. Uh, I, when, the, when the dust settles, uh, I'm, going to, uh, I'm going to have to get another one because a kid, of, a kid I used to have stole mine, and I now need a new one. Uh, be safe. You can go online. They'll take care of everything for you. They'll make it as simple as possible. They will deliver the bike to you. You can complete the paperwork right there in your home while uh, whoever delivers it might be Tim or one of his guys. They stand. You make them stand out on the street. Don't let them get any near. Just let them get the bike out of the truck and put it on the kickstand right there. And then you go do the paperwork, and then you, you shove it down the sidewalk with a stick. You shove, get a big <laughs> stick and shove the, shove the paperwork back to them, and you stay 25 feet away. It'll work out perfectly. Almost like one of those grabbers that you use. Use yep, that yep. thing and just. Or if you right have there. a if you have a grabber, you could put it in the grabber and extend it. And mm-hmm. uh, with your arm in the grabber, you got a good six seven feet. So bing bang boom, <laughs> let them take let them take the paperwork from you. You bre- you wheel the bike into the garage, admire it for a while, then get on it and just tear the hell out of there. It's just fantastic. Beautiful. They're fantastic. EcoFun Motorsports, EcoFunMotorsports.com on Highway sixty one in downtown Forest Lake. University of Garage Logic, 98. College of Self-Esteem, zip, nada, nothing. Here's Joe Suchere. Well, not quite. Before we get to Suchi Boy, I want to tell you about uh, ProfessionalTurf.com and clicking on ProfessionalTurf.com. That's going to give you a beautiful lawn all season long. I'm a hardcore do-it-yourselfer, or as, as some of you refer to me as, 
a hardcore know-it-all. <laughs> uh, but the one thing I do know is the day I threw that spreader away and handed the lawn care duties over to the ProfessionalTurf.com crew, that was the best thing I ever did for my lawn. And I've had the best lawn on the block ever since. That was, oh, oh, so many years ago. I also, a few years ago, I had their landscape division come out and update the layout in the backyard. It forced the equity and gave the place amazing curb appeal. Lawn care, sprinkler system service, and landscaping. They're the best guys in town. Click on ProfessionalTurf.com. Suchi boy. Yes, sir. I have... What? Hey, oh. Sneeze hey. coming? No, I had the microphone turned away from me. Oh. Uh, <laughs> Uh, listener Bob Strauss writes, uh, I'd type hail you, but that seems a bit inappropriate coming from a family member. Wait. I know, Bob. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Good. Hold on. Hold on. He's married to one of my sisters. I don't know which one. There's so many of them. <laughs> <coughs> he was listening to uh, Monday Night Sports Talk uh, when Pat and I yesterday really went down memory lane with our various technical issues. Yeah. Perfect health. Uh, And he said, "Being he's been in the tech industry for years. His tech uh, colleagues would call many of our issues a picnic problem. Explain. What's that mean? Picnic problem. Picnic problem. Problem in chair, not in computer. (laughs) (laughs) Of course. Of course. Oh, God, that's brilliant. That's perfect for me and Pat, man. Those are picnic problems. Problem in chair, not in computer. Mm -hmm. I can't tell. That's brilliant. So Bob would appreciate, along with the other GLers, how many times you've had to call the help desk and have them come down here and basically click one key to make your computer all better again. That's right. At at some points, too, it kind of becomes a game as to which one gets to come down here first. They almost do the paper, rock, scissors. No, you got to do it last time. I get to do it this time. No, they fight to do it because it's an easy fix. That's what I'm saying. They know know it's not going to be anything complicated. They'll just stroll on down here and hit Uh, one button and boom, uh, it's done. Sushery again, that moron. (laughs) I actually had to go up there last week and... uh, and I said, I've got a problem with Such. And they said, yeah, who doesn't? Right. <laughs> Get in line, pal. Yeah. Get yeah. in line. You don't have a problem with me, Kenny. Let's not leave the listeners hanging there. You had a problem with trying to get me my email, which you grew tired of doing. Uh, and so you've had it arranged that it now it just automatically gets fed to me. I think you did a wise move there. So, GLers, you can go, uh, go back to bashing me in emails to Joe because I'm no longer reading them. Kenny's and, flying blind. <laughs> oh, God, it just makes me feel so much better. Oh. <laughs> Uh, do you have a ray of hope, please? I can in just a matter of seconds. Should be just a matter of seconds. I think this is a ray of hope. Oh, for Pete's sake. Okay, I got her, bra. Well, I'll play it. Oh, I thought we'd do it at the end. Well, we're doing it at the beginning. Okay. Mix things up Here's a little. today's ray of hope. It's in the Star Tribune today. The Mayo Clinic and the U of M have developed a reliable test for finding antibodies in the blood serum of those who have had COVID-19. This would allow these individuals to move freely about, volunteer where they're needed. They stated that it's possible many people had COVID-19, but because symptoms were minor, never sought medical treatment. They also advised that they are not sure if someone could contract COVID-19 or they would be able to spread it again. We can trust what China says. We can't trust what China says. We will need more evidence at home. This is the beginning of the breakthrough. 
This is the beginning yes. of people going back to work. Yes. This is the beginning of resuming airline travel. I imagine you'll queue up at a line at the airport. They'll give you a test. Bing, bang, boom. You pass. You're on the plane. And you're on the plane knowing that everyone else on the plane doesn't have it. Let's yeah. take a vote. Yeah. How soon can we get this out? That was my question. Let's well, they're go. working feverishly. Let's go with it. They're, they're working feverishly. Remind me again, when was the date of the patient zero case? You uh, referred to it at the, the latter part of last week. It was in uh, about the third week of December. Okay. All of right. 19, 2019. All right. And how much do you think of... Or maybe even earlier, Katie, maybe the second week in December. And I forget at what length we have discussed this on the show, but... Because of the Chinese government's lack of acceptance with this, because they they did try to cover this up for the first couple of weeks, how much of that then led to the outbreak getting even worse right away? Well, all of it. Exponentially worse. Yeah. Yeah. Because I'm not they, letting China off the hook. Because had they just said, oh, crap, we've got a, an issue on our hands and dealt with it much sooner, don't you think we would all would have been much better off? Yes. These world yes. leaders should have, the, the, seriously, these world leaders should have the hotline telephone like they do for the nukes. Yeah, They should have a pandemic hotline telephone. And if China, uh, if they weren't godless communists, uh, they would have pressed that button on day one and said to Trump and everybody else around the world, look out, we've just discovered a horrible disease coming your way, get ready. That didn't happen. Yeah. Because well, they're godless commies. And I know I'm going to get hate mail for saying this, but Trump was one of the people that said we had it under control in what, early to mid-February. I understand that. He's, 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 he's certainly come down off that podium yeah and rightfully so so i give yeah. him credit for doing that yeah. i guess i'm just saying they almost did though get the the hotline you know warning and it was almost dismissed right away politicians You're- across the globe should be paying uh, close attention to the fauci's of the world the osterholms of the world people like that wouldn't you say yes absolutely that's why i said yesterday no more talk from me about medicines for example all i will only repeat what I find necessary from Fauci or Osterholm. End of story. But it's got to be legit because look what it did to the stock market. I mean, mm-hmm. we're all broke again. Oh, boy. Are we ever. Yeah. Yeah. What's she doing right now? I'll tell you what it's doing right now. It is down 178 points. So you, you're saying I shouldn't have went to production and had them put together... Here's Joe's Advil moment of the day. No, I don't think you should. No, we're not going to do that. <laughs> did you realize? Did you realize, you rural fruitcake, that you just said I shouldn't have went? It sounded perfect to me, Chris. You shouldn't have gone. Even even coming from a sod hut family, I know it shouldn't be. It should have gone. What did, what, what did I say? He's, you said you shouldn't have went to production. You said. Oh darn it! I did. You know. Yeah. You've got to be. Go. You've you got to be go. uh, more proud of your heritage. There's nothing wrong with with owning it, Joe. That's, That's right. I love it. it. Own it. No, I love it. I'm and, starting to get emails from cousins too. They think the town was Herman. Does that ring a bell? Boy, that's way out west. Yep. Where is Herman? I'm drawing a blank. Oh, 55, isn't it? Or oh, 12? That reminds me. There was Hold a great on, email that I forgot to send to you, Joe. Oh, here it is. Uh, it's from Jim. Uh, this just came in after we started recording today. Hey, hey, Such, the 1880 census data should fill you in on the blanks regarding your grandmother. Is that attainable? I, think well, I was just going to say, where in the hell am I supposed to get the 1880 census? Well, isn't that all available? 
I don't know. Well, you're supposed to know that stuff. That ain't you our know, job. We're the know, dumb ones. Hey, the sod hut might be enough. I don't really need to know what town it was. I'll just make up a town. Oh, see, no, don't you quit on us. You're it's the garage. curious one. Yeah, I am. I'll, 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 it would be fun to drive to that town. Herman is uh, dangerously close to the. Would that be South Dakota? The South Dakota uh, border. Whoa! What the hell were they? What the hell were they doing out there? East of Wheaton on Highway Nine and northeast of Morris. I do know that. Here we go. I think it was. Here we go. uh, You wonder. You wonder about my affection for the United States Postal Service. I think my great grandfather. Let's see. My. My grandfather would have been my dad's dad, right? Your grandfather would have been your dad. Yes. Okay, so I never knew him. So my so my uh you check that one off. So so my uh my great grandfather would have been my dad's grandfather. Correct. Okay. He was a postmaster in uh, somewhere in the Fulda area. Oh. He was a postmaster. Oh. Which could that doesn't explain uh, grandma, though, because she was a different family. But anyway, he was a postmaster uh, in a town that no longer exists. Do you remember the name of it? I got it somewhere. But he was, the, and, and so that, that too comes to me naturally, my affection for playing office and stamps and, sure. you know, posting mail at the mailbox. That's all very genetic. So, so you think that's where it comes from? It's oh, it's natural. all genetic. You, absolutely. You can't fight it. Uh, fight it. It's natural. Yeah, absolutely, Kenny. It's right. It's in your marrow. Send your marrow. And Herman, in fact, is, yeah, right in the prairie there. So yeah. That's solid prairie in that area. All right, so wait a minute. Here, I'm, uh, I'm making some notes for today's show. So it should have, I should have said, gone to production, and yes, your dad's dad is your grandfather. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I never, never knew any of them guys. Right. Sod hut hoot suits. Here we go. Do you recall... Uh, had to be, I don't think it was yesterday. It must have been Friday. The guy's best beer was that he was delivering ice to a saloon on Rice yes, Street. Yes, uh, no, yeah, no, no, yeah. no, 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 saloon. Saloon. Yes. He was delivering ice to a saloon on Rice Street, and a fellow at the bar insisted on buying that young delivery man a beer. Mm-hmm. Uh, it turned out it was his first one, and then he came back uh, for his next ice delivery days later, weeks later, whatever, and the bartender said, uh, do, you re- do you know who that was that bought you that beer? And he said, no. He said, that was John Dillinger. And I bring that up again because uh, Tom uh, Lyman, who's writing to us from Mumbai, India, uh, feels this uh, peculiar need, which I enjoy. He feels this peculiar need to send me on this date in Minnesota history every day. Sometimes I find something of significance. Mostly I don't. But I'm going to honor a fellow taking the time to email me from Mumbai, India, for God's sake. Okay. On this day in 1934, and this will corroborate something else I told you fellows. On this day in 1934, March 31st, a shootout between outlaw John Dillinger and the Federal Bureau of Investigation occurs at the Lincoln Court Apartments in St. Paul on Lexington Avenue near Grand. Dillinger escaped, but a few months later was shot to death by FBI agents in Chicago. And I told you, I had a buddy growing up who lived on Lincoln and Lexington. And those Lexington Court Apartments are across the street on Lexington. They're still there, too. They're still there. They're yeah. still there. Yeah. That was where the shootout was. Wow. Cool. I, I yeah. visited that area for that very reason. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I nerded out one day uh, yeah. and had to do it. 
there's a writer from St. Paul who wrote a one. Uh, the book is called Dillinger. I think it's called Dillinger Lived Here. And it's a local guy that wrote it. I'm going to have to look his name up. I thought Paul he, Maccabee? Uh, maybe. Yeah. I'll look it's it ringing up. a bell. It's ringing a bell. So I have another positive note. Uh uh, based on COVID nineteen, right. not only not only is Mayo and the U of M gearing up, but uh, violent crime is down. Uh, echoing the uh, mayor of Houston, apparently uh, uh, criminals are uh, they're pausing. They're they're taking a pause mm-hmm. uh, because you know what? Because so many stores are closed, they're not getting robbed, and because so many people are at home. Uh, safeguarding their homes. The homes aren't being burgled. Well, you know what else a big part of it is, too? All of the, the bars and restaurants are closed. There's right. there's no 2 a.m. rush on the weekends anymore. That's right. Uh, this is a, this is a news out of Philadelphia. Uh, police have not lessened their patrols, uh, but they haven't been overwhelmed with uh, violent crime and robberies. Fewer people on the streets makes it easier for officers to spot someone who might be up to no good. Uh, Gloucester Township is seeing, unfortunately, increase in domestic disputes. That's a shame. Uh, I wish I wish people would not do that. Uh, it, it, it's tempt it's tempting to become angry with your loved one, but uh, you got to figure out how to not take the bait. That's my key. Just don't take the bait. Yeah, it's you know? not my flaws aren't her fault. No, um, I, and like Pat, and like Pat, when we sit down to play, who has flaws? Yeah. I'm zero and sixty-eight. Yeah. I've never won the game. No, no. never won. Undefeated. I'm undefeated. I, no, I'm, at, I'm defeated. You're defeated. Yeah. Yeah. I'm defeated. I, I'm at the point where I don't even try to win anymore. No, uh, you were right, uh, and I was partially wrong. Um, it is, in fact, Maccabee that wrote it, Paul. And Paul. the title is John Dillinger slept here. Slept here. Yeah. 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 This was quite a thriving gangster town uh, in the uh, 20s and 30s. Uh, the sheriff, I believe, was O'Connor, and he had the O'Connor rule. Uh, verify that name for me, please. Uh, sheriff O'Connor? I believe it was O'Connor. And the rule was, uh, Dillinger, if you're in town, I'm not going to mess with you, but you can't act up here. Right. That was, that was the, the rule. That, yeah. that was the rule. Right. You, uh, Ma Barker and your boys, you want to hide out and out in Matamidi? That's fine. But don't cut up in my town. And don't. they eventually ended up screwing O'Connor over by kidnapping a number of famous St. Paul citizens. Well, including what? The ham uh, the kidnapping? The ham and uh, the, is it Bremer? Bremer, yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, but, and a great novel to read is called St. Mud. And I read that. The opening line in uh, St. Mud is very mem- mem- uh, memorable. Uh, in St. Paul, gangsters can bleep in the streets. Right, uh, right. The euphemism for make love. There was the right. one that came out a couple of years ago. Was it Augie's Secrets? Is that the one that I'm thinking oh, of? I haven't I heard of that one. I haven't heard of that. Uh, it's the, the Minneapolis mob scene. Uh, I re- I just remember I heard an interview with the author. I thought maybe it would ring a bell with you guys a couple of years ago. Huh. I'm fine. I'm trying to look it up right now. By the way, the author of Saint Mud is Steve Thayer. Yeah, Steve Thayer also read a great great book called The Weatherman. Yes, yeah, that is a good book, right? Yep. Um, yep. But uh, Saint Mud was his first effort. Right. This one's called Augie's Secrets: The Minneapolis Mob and the King of the Hennepin Strip by Neil Carlin. K A R. Oh, we know sure. Neil Carlin, Joe. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Cool. Yeah. Wait. The crime scene in Minneapolis was completely different than the crime scene in St. Paul. Wait a minute. I didn't hear that interview on Garage Logic, did I? 
No. Okay. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm sweating. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I heard this great interview and I was waiting for uh, Yeah, dummy, uh, it was on our show. <laughs> <clears throat> Quick true story. It's been over 40 years, so I think it's safe to tell. My wife's, my wife purchased a ham and told me she had never cooked a ham before, oh. but wanted to give it a go. She put the ham in a Dutch oven and poured a can of 7-Up in with it and added vegetable stock, then did a slow cook of the ham. She cooked it for four hours, painstakingly basting it every 20 minutes or so because she wanted the juiciest ham ever. When she said it was done, I went into the kitchen to share her creation. She grabbed the ham with the tongs and put it on a carving plate. It was only then she discovered that the heavy-duty plastic that it came in was still wrapped on the ham that she never noticed during all that basting. Do we? Does that make? Does that make? Does that make it? Oh, it's got God, to. Yes. Does that to. make it with the plastic plants and the uh, lotion, the cheese, the concrete mix? I'll have to add ham. Boy, he's does. brave for sending that in. By the way. Oh, 40 years. If she can't let him off the hook after 40 years, they shouldn't be together. All right, I, I, I'm the king of the idiots on this show. I'll say. But how do you Jeez. how do you not how do you not notice the plastic still when it's in the oven? And how did it not melt? You know what? Tastes good to me, honey. <laughs> yeah, that's all I Kenny's got. Still going all in. <laughs> it's, it's fantastic. You did a yeah. wonderful job. Yeah. Uh, we had a delightful interview with a a, a very daring pilot named Tim Tollefson who fights forest fires from the air. Yeah. Recall when Tim yes. was in? That was Couple, awesome. A few weeks ago, a month or so. He writes, uh, please include me as adding to Grunhofer's 700-pound Saturday by loading up on salmon and meatloaf. Also, since I was in the neighborhood, I visited Tim at EcoFun and went home with a new electric assist bike. Nice. Fantastic. Thanks for keeping the show going during our break from normal. It's been great entertainment. Tim Tollefson. Uh, P.S. The amount of feedback and contacts from fellow GLers from my in-studio visit has been great fun. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you, uh, Tim, for becoming a, a Grunhofer's convert. And uh, Kevin writes, who knew when I had the Gruns turn my venison into sausage, I'd be grilling them for lunch at home on a Monday. It's going to be a great lunch today, and I don't plan to share any either. And he sent me a picture of his sausage on the grill that was prepared for him by the Grunhoffers people. Grunhoffers Old Fashioned Meats in Hugo, the north end of Hugo. And like all of our other clients, they're going out of their way uh, to make your shopping safe and easy. Go to the go to the website, Grunhofer Meat Market. Dot com. No apostrophe. Nope. Grunhoffers. Grunhoffers meat market dot com. So there is an S. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I'm just sitting here. But there is an S. There is not an apostrophe. Here we go. Grund. What Grund. happened to Joe? Grundhoffers. Joe left in the middle of market the ad. Dot com. On it right now. Boy, look at them brats. Okay, you call in your order in advance. Pick out from the online menu what you need. It's not really a menu. It would be the online availability of these delicious meats. Mm -hmm. Then call 651-426-2800. That's the city desk. That's it. 651-426-2800. You can place your order over the phone. You can pay over the phone. I don't know how I would because I don't have the thing. Uh, oh, they have packs assembled already on online too. I'm looking at them right now. You get there it's on Highway 61. Just look, you can drive in Minnesota. You can't get it for, as as Jeremy Clarkson says. You can't get it from driving. 
So you want to run out to uh, Grunhofer's, you pull into the parking lot, they bring your order out, you've already paid for it, they'll place it in your trunk, mm-hmm. or they'll place it outside the door for you to pick up, and you'll be taken care of. It's really, really the way to go. It's fantastic. We uh, received a tweet 20 hours ago from a very loyal G- uh, GLer, he's been with us forever, Vic Dorso. Oh, yeah. The tweet, the CP threatened to boil my Grundhofer's brats no. last night. I took over kitchen duties to avoid a domestic incident. Well, see, he didn't take the bait. He took care of it. You know, let's let's everybody be calm. I'm wondering if she did that on purpose just to make sure that Vic would cook. Right. <laughs> you know where else we lucked out, seriously? Uh, with the timing. Uh, it's tough enough now for people to be essentially homebound. Uh, that can fray nerves and get on people's nerves. And, uh, but at least we're entering the good weather. If this had set in November first, no we would have been uh, yes. we would have been in uh, maybe a little more trouble. But now you can at least you can space yourself from the people around you. Yeah. You can go outside and work or I want do whatever. You to, I want you to take that drive today because I want to hear your opinion about the amount of people that are out and if you think it's too many. You know what? I will do it, Kenny. Yeah, it, I it, will it, do it. It's a it's a tad bit shocking to see all these people out. One of the three winter cars has been decommissioned uh, or uh, commissioned again for spring and is uh, running. So I'll take that, Perfect. and I'll be able to give you guys a report tomorrow. You need us to swing by and fire her up real quick? No, I can get it. You got her? Okay. You can get them. baby up for you. You can get them. Uh, I don't know if you got this email, by the way, because it's reminding me of your background noise here from Kelly. Uh, it says, tell Joe to build a sod chair and get rid of that squeaky piece <laughs> of crap he's got. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's... That's the pontoon boat. See, uh, I like it. I like the squeak. That's the pontoon boat stretching its ropes at the dock. Mm-hmm. Here, here, listen, listen. Oh, yeah. See, it's kind of bobbing in the waves there, mm-hmm. stretching at the dock posts. I'm imagining laying in a chair on the beach trying to fall asleep in that nasty old pile <laughs> of crap pontoon, screeching and yelling. Kenny, where is yours? It's inside. It spent the first year, uh, the first winter of its entire life inside my shed. It, Did you doll it up a little? Uh, no, not yet. What's it called again? We need the official name. Uh, the bleep barge? Is that what it is? I thought it was the cirrhosis of the river. I I, I don't know. That, that was. Uh, what are your plans for it? Uh, I'm going to put a new deck on it, and uh, that's it. Take the rails off. Or what they call, what I've learned they call, I think, the playpen. That's the rails that go around Oh, yeah. It. I'm going to take all those off so it's literally like a floating swim platform that you're in danger of falling off. Well, why off would you do that? You know damn well somebody will fall off. Well, that's the point. Yeah. Oh. Uh, yeah. That's, so yesterday, uh, I don't know who this gentleman is. His name is Kevin Walling. Uh, he's a TV contributor for Fox. I don't know if he's based out of New York, but he he posted a really cool photo of the Statue of Liberty with the big U.S. Navy ship hospital ship that in the background, which was really really cool. Yep. And then other people were. Po- we're posting their boats coming in to save the day. And yeah. all I kept thinking was the barge. Kenny's pontoon. Got that nine horse on there <laughs> smoking. It's like a Grateful Dead concert. There's so much haze around yeah. me. You know, if I if I got sick in New York, and God forbid anyone does, anyone it's a terrible situation. And it's not even better news today, by the way. But I'd beg somebody to put me on that ship. I, that's where I'd want to get treated on the ship. I would too. Yeah. And by the way, because Kenny and I have both news channels on in here, and I'm glancing up at Anderson Cooper on CNN. Yeah. Where are we on them having a, a live reporter at the 
makeshift hospital. Get get out of there. We don't need more bodies there that don't need to be there. Uh, why are you saying the news is worse from New York right now? Uh, well, they just reported, what are we up to now? We're up to 3,500, over 3,500 dead. And Cuomo was on earlier. Is that for the country or New York? For the for the country, but New York yeah. is obviously leading leading the way. And they they just they were they were basically saying that they had their worst twenty four hours most recently. So, oh. not to end the show on a down note, but I was just bringing it up. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I guess one of the Como brothers is now infected. Chris. Yeah, Chris is. Uh, Father Andrew gave his daily sermon today, and he was talking about Chris. Uh, I'm looking at the picture now of the uh, naval hospital ship arriving. It's gorgeous. Yeah, it just. It's a really I wonder if those. I wonder if those ships are built specifically to be a medical ship, or are they converted? It, it's. It looks unlike most ships. I wonder if we don't build them to specifically be hospital ships. I think we do. Well, thank you for that silence. Well, I was just going to say, I don't know how quickly they would have been able to convert it, so I guess I would agree with you. I quickly zoned out wondering where it was built, if it was built on the, uh, no, it wouldn't be built in the Great Lakes. I guess it would probably displace too much water, wouldn't it? Our Do- hospital. <laughs> this is awesome. Ships. Do Lieutenant Dan have legs in real, in real life? life. <laughs> uh where converted from other ships hospital ship Georgia you get her hospital ships have played pivotal roles in naval operations since the early days of the republic all other ships including the mercy and the comfort the two that are in play right now were converted from other uses oh. wh- whether as super tankers troop transports or Passenger liners. So there's your answer. Learn more here by accident than anywhere else by design. How many hospital ships does the U.S. have? Uh, the U.S. only two: the Mercy and the Comfort. Hmm. There's one you on the West Coast. More here by accident than elsewhere by design. There's here's one Joe now. Suchere. Thank you. <laughs> there's there's one in the uh, Los Angeles Harbor, and there's one in New York. The the Comfort is in New York. The Mercy is in L.A. It was built. My I entered. Where was the hospital ship built? But I didn't put a name on it. It says it was built in the National Steel Shipbuilding Company in San Diego. The Navy uh-huh. purchased it in '87. A hospital ship is a ship designated for primary function as a floating medical treatment facility. The second Geneva Convention prohibits military tax on hospital ships, although belligerent forces do have rights of inspection and may take injured enemy patients as prisoners of war. Wow. Wow. Um, Sod Hut, or Saudi, was an often used alternative to the log cabin during the frontier settlement of the mm-hmm. Great Plains. Mm-hmm. Primary, uh, oh, uh, no, I thought you were mentioned here, but you're not. I'm sorry. Oh, shoot. Well, they know that I'm descended from the, the great stock of Herman, Minnesota, is what it's sounding like. The great stock of Herman, Minnesota. We've got a lot of nice things. We've got a lot of nice things out there. <laughs> So we've assigned ourselves uh, homework for tonight. You've already watched it. Reavers and I have it on DVR. We're going to watch the uh, First Avenue thing tonight. I can't wait. Closer to the Stars, which I don't know if you know this, Joe, and I'm going to tell you this because I'm filling in for FYI today. Closer to the Stars, a wonderful, wonderful soul asylum song that you may have never heard. Hmm. I, I watched the documentary last night. Right. 
Uh, you'll find it interesting. I found it to be uh, top-heavy on the trials and tribulations of the various management figures over the years. They always seem to be running just ahead of the bill collector. Right. And, well, uh, that is part of their legacy, though, isn't right, it? Right, right. Yeah. But I, I wanted more music. I mean, the replacements, for example, got 20 seconds on, on screen. One of the uh, managers, Steve McClellan, was a, uh, boy, he's a, he's a noteworthy, uh, interesting fella. Mm-hmm. Quite the character. How yeah. many shows do you think you've seen there if you had to ballpark at Kenny? I have no idea. Hundreds, thousands? I think the question is, how many shows do I remember? <laughs> yes. Probably more. I saw the very first one, Joe Cocker and Mad Dogs and Englishmen. It was called The Depot. That was in April of 1970. How recent have you been there, or has it been a while? It's been a long time. Okay. It's been a long, long time. I was there the weekend of, of Prince's death. I was there the Saturday night when they stayed open until 6 a.m. That was freaking incredible. That was well, so it went cool. through it went through a period where people quite literally thought Prince owned the place. Yeah. Because he could play in it there anytime he wanted. He would make a call at noon, and then they would set it up for what he would never start before 1 a.m well yeah most times it wasn't announced too it was just the hipster crowd that got in yeah right right well very good boys my uh you have your homework assignment mine is to go uh drive the parkway system kenny from uh, about st paul to lake harriet and back that's what i'm saying check it out all right i'll give you a report i might have to do that on my way home now yeah take that route home all All right right. hey wait no you got to give us your sign off I got to go. All right, there he goes, the mayor of Garage Logic. I got to go. Uh, go to garagelogic.com where you can download past episodes. And please don't forget to rate and review the show. We love hearing your feedback. Garagelogic.com and pod. I didn't leave. Yeah, pod, yeah, man. Download that too, where you can get all of your Minnesota podcasts. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. Yeah.